Hey gang, welcome to episode 22 of the No Proscenium podcast, your podcast about immersive and interactive and open frame theater and its ilk. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, uh, founder of this here rogue ship sailing the dark waters of the imagination. I'm not even going to cut that. I'm into that this week. Hey, uh, this is a normal episode. (gasps) Really? Oh my God, a normal episode. We haven't had one of those in so long. And coming up next week will probably be a not normal episode or, or perhaps the beginning of a series of normal episodes. I don't know because tomorrow morning I'm driving down to San Diego to go to the Without Walls Festival at the world famous La Jolla Playhouse. And I'm going to experience a lot of experiences. And we're going to be putting up, and by we, I mean me, (laughs) a lot of stuff up on the good old Medium. Uh, That's medium.com slash no dash proscenium. There will be uh, notes on the shows, maybe in a few full reviews. While I'm there, I'm hoping to talk to a bunch of people and either make uh, one podcast or uh, a series of podcasts uh, that will come out, uh, you know, on the normal schedule. Zay's going to be checking out Houseworld soon in New York City and will be having an interview with the creator of that. Uh, that's the plan, at least at any rate. And uh, we're booking a whole bunch of more interviews to take us pretty much through the end of the year. It's an exciting time uh, all over the country in immersive theater land. Uh, before I go any farther, uh, I want to make a content advisory notice for this episode. Just in case you're the kind of person who likes to torture smaller humans by having them listen to podcasts about esoteric artistic concepts, um, not that there's anything wrong with that, you should know that we get salty up in this podcast. And I don't want this podcast to offend uh any small children adults just have to roll with it you might actually have to roll with it this time i'm sorry guys um and uh yeah you know uh maybe maybe i was weary when we were doing this one and maybe our guest uh had a beer and maybe there was a very cute cat distracting us but that's in a second hey there's more news um there's 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 something to be proud of gang um Uh, I won't hide the fact that I'm stoked about this. Uh, We won a Best of LA um, by we. I mean, I really mean us this time. For the newsletter, if memory serves, and this is like burned into my brain, if memory serves, we won a Best Experimental Theater Newsletter. Uh, The write-up was by Zach Pincus Roth. Uh, who is uh, absolutely awesome. And I don't say that just because he gave me an award. But no, uh, Zach's really cool. And uh, I know he uh, definitely reads the newsletter. I don't know if he listens to the podcast. I almost hope he doesn't because I think I keep on mispronouncing his name, uh, which is terrible because I'm going to see him at WOW and you'll probably hear his voice on this podcast if I have my druthers. And I'm going to have my druthers. Um, a little playful today. Sorry, guys. Uh, what am I trying to say? Uh, other than getting distracted. Uh, and now I'm thinking about that cat that was distracting me during this podcast. You'll hear that in a second. Hey, uh, we won that award. Oh, my God. I'm so not used to doing that. So, yeah, that was cool. And we've got a lot more signups because of it. And, like, every time we're mentioned in the weekly, we get more signups. Uh, so now I've told Zay that it's, it's his job to do that uh, in the New York realm. So that's the challenge 
my good man Zay, uh, get us an award in New York, uh, which is, which, which you know, um, it's, theater scene in New York maybe a little harder to do. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, if you guys weren't reading it, uh, I, I wouldn't be making it. And we would definitely want to be doing the podcast. Uh, if, if you guys hadn't stepped up and uh, dropped the money on the Patreon like you have, patreon.com slash no proscenium for those of you who haven't and would like to. Um, we definitely, definitely wouldn't have a podcast because I swore that I wasn't going to, um, I wasn't going to, you know, drop $20 a month into this thing if I didn't know other people weren't willing to take the risk with me. And you guys did. And you did more than that. In fact, part of the plan for this month, um, and we'll just see if I can get it together in this month. It might be next month. I intend to issue a transparency report uh, for all the Patreon backers. I want you guys to know how much money has come in and where the money has gone to. I think that is completely fair. I'm a big fan of transparency. I'm a big fan of crowdfunding when it is transparent. And that's how we're going to roll because you guys are paying for this and you deserve to know where the money is going. It is not going to snacks for me, despite what you might think. Hey, uh, we've had a bunch of great issues since this last episode hit and I could go through all the things that are coming. I could talk about the hollow here in Los Angeles. I could talk about uh, Houseworld over in New York. I could talk about hinge in uh, the San Francisco Bay area. I could talk about the fact that I just named three shows that all start with the letter H. Perhaps that's our secret clue this week, guys. Um, I just made that up, uh, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to tell you to go get the newsletter. Uh, you can find the newsletter in your inbox, probably. <laughs> you look it up, open that sucker. And if you want to see the past issues, you just look for... Uh, what you do is you open up the newsletter in your inbox. You click on the view this email in your browser link. And then you, uh, when in that browser window, you're going to see subscribe, share, past issues on the left upper left-hand side of your window, click on past issues, you get to the archive. And that'll let you see what's going on in the rest of the country. It'll let you see the last issue if you're a new subscriber. If you're a new subscriber is listening to the podcast, wow. Uh, and boy, do I apologize for everything I just said. Um, thank you for your amazing patience. Everyone else here knows that I'm an idiot. All uh, right, let's let's uh, let's set this up. Uh, we are talking today with uh, Matt Sosun, um, whose name I probably also just butchered. Sorry, Matt. Um, in person, I, I do that, and then I go like, oh, I said it in the French style. And, and when I'm just by myself, I'm like, you should have written down a pronunciation note. I just, I'm really bad at this, and it's what I do for a living. It's it's probably why I don't make that much money all, all of a sudden done. Um, anyway, Matt is the, uh, I mean, he is Crooked Grin Theater. Well, it's just, or not even theater. Oh, my God. They used to be a working, used to be a working title theater, a working theater. I'm, I'm destroying this. I haven't had enough caffeine today. They used to be a working theater. Then they found themselves doing a lot more than theater, so they changed to Crooked Grin. Had a party at Montserrat the other day uh, to celebrate that. Lost Moon Radio came out, did the show. Uh, Lost Moon Radio, of course, is directed by uh, Lauren Ludwig and produced by Monica Miklas, who you also know from a certain show that starts with an H that I won't talk about because I talk about it too much. And uh, it was awesome. Uh, it was a really cool, really cool space, really great group of people, uh, some awesome stuff there. And last year, uh, 
Matt's company did a silver lining and it was an interactive experience that was over at ArtShare. And it was, uh, my review is on record. Uh, everyone who's read that knows that, you know, I had some, had some issues with the overall structure of the show, but I also really, really loved a lot of the ideas that were in it. I thought they were cooking with gas and for a young company, for people experimenting with this space, is exactly what I want to see. Like, I would rather see three gems of moments in a show that, uh, you know, maybe doesn't hold together for me than a show that holds really well together but just bores me to tears, right? Like, th- that's who I am. Um, your mileage may definitely vary as the saying goes, but for, for my money, Matt's got some great instincts and he's pushing forward in interesting directions and he's delving into VR. So intellectually we have a lot in common and I wanted to get him on the show and that's what you're going to hear today. Uh, this is just a back and forth conversation between him and me. Um, I'll admit I'm Mark Marin this one a bit, just like I'm Mark Marining this one right now. Uh, with this intro, but sometimes it's just what happens, particularly when I'm as weary as I am. Uh, A cat is involved. (laughs) The cat's going to jump up at some point. So, uh, you know, this is definitely one. You know what my advice for you on this episode, because you've already put the kids to bed, Sydney Marie, the one kid, Uh, you know, or, 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 you know, Sam, you know, you're, 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 you manage to square everything away. Uh, you know, Jay, it's it's the end of a long day. <laughs> this is like romper room. I'm like naming you guys individual. Jeff, you're on the plane from Shanghai again. What I want you guys to do is I want you to call over the flight attendant, get a beer, and just go along for the ride this time. You may not be in a plane and your significant other may be wondering why you're treating the baby like it's a flight attendant, but just tell them it's okay. It's an immersive experience. Let's enjoy the show. Matt, we're here in your apartment, and uh, tell us uh, tell us a bit about yourself and about Crooked Grin. Well, uh, Crooked Grin is a production company for narrative content, so... That follows my interests, which is everything. So stories in all mediums and forms. Um, We've even done a few things that are not truly narrative in nature, like art shows, art events, things like that. But mostly we produce theater, immersive theater, and film. And we're starting to do virtual reality content. So... Let's let's start with the the prime interest of the podcast, which is the immersive theater stuff. So, like, what drew you into that, and, and you know, what work have you gone and done in there? Initially, what drew me into it was the lack of establishment, um, and the ability to potentially stake a claim in something. Uh, the theater world, even in its decrepitude, is uh hard to break into in some respects mm-hmm. um especially because it is such a niche that a lot of even mid-sized and bigger theaters are scrambling for audiences scrambling to cater to what they think audiences want with whatever past popular plays that have been produced and it just the whole system was unappetizing 
And immersive theater felt like something that didn't have those uh, trappings necessarily attached to it. And wasn't so... uh, That's my cat, by the way, Pilfer. He's the best, guys. Everybody's listening. I didn't have so much... um, so much bullshit to 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 wade through um and was kind of um innately to my eyes a little uh anarchistic um kind of like a cat jumping up on a table right just kind of like batting things around and with shit sniffing wherever it goes and i'm sorry i'm swearing so much it's okay we we put the uh, explicit tag on more okay. often than we don't, uh, and uh, and then and then don't bother to swear. So it's okay. Great. Um, that's right, Billford. So that's that was kind of my initial in, and it was also hearing about and experiencing immersive theater and having my mind open up to new possibilities and wanting to push limits and try to make myself uncomfortable artistically. Mm. Yeah, I think I think that's one of the things that does does draw people into this space, um, like the idea of like uncharted territory, right? Like that's that's a big thing because it feels like when it comes to the theater, everything's already been done before, and and there's a there's something good about that in the sense of the methods are tried, the methods are tested. If you want to tell a story, if you want to explore something that's uh you know a big idea in the culture right now or you want to explore um you know a a story that hasn't been told before it's nice to have a form you can rely on Uh, it's nice to know how to tell a story if if there's a story that's burning but then when you get around to wanting to find new ways to tell stories then you kind of run aground uh, and you wind up finding yourself um, running into these new media or running into these you know new styles and I mean one of the interesting things to me about immersive as I've, I've delved deeper is just getting the reminders that you know this stuff has all kind of been done before like I was having a conversation with someone last week someone in the themed entertainment world and he started to explain Tamara to me uh, which I always called Tamara because uh, I was only read it and hadn't heard someone say it, but he had actually seen it, so he knew it was Tamara. Mm-hmm. But then I thought he was saying tomorrow, so I didn't know what he was talking about at first. And, and was he British too? No, no, no. Okay. This is local. This is LA. Was it so, Dave? No, no, no. It was Dave. Okay. Uh, but uh, Tamara, uh, for those who don't know, was a was an immersive theater piece that was done uh, in LA in like the '80s, in the mid '80s. Mm. Uh, so like long before Punch Drunk was doing what they were doing. Uh, but like after Grotowski was doing what he was doing and after you know New York responded to that kind of work, um, there was, there was uh, this idea of decoupling the performance from the, the traditional stage space. And, and yet that thread gets dropped, you know, and like people walk away from it because the infrastructure of, you know, the Lort Theater or, you know, the equity contract mm-hmm. or like, oh, we finally got a house big enough to do Lear in, so let's go do Lear in that house. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the energy, yeah, you're just, you're rambunctious, little guy. Uh, all the energy kind of like sheeps that way. Mm-hmm. But now, oh, that's, that's my hat. Um, <laughs> I'm going to put my hat on my head. Uh, now, uh, now there are no rules, right? Like the internet shook up everything. No one can make any money being 
you know, an artist unless you own a massive piece of IP or like work for hire for that. So right. might as well crack on through and, and find something else and find a new way. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so how, how did you come to the, the VR thing? Cause as everyone knows, like I'm, I'm interested in the, the, the place where those two intersect. Right. So what, what, what brought you over to exploring VR and what have you managed to explore in VR so far? I am not sure the moment of when it sparked within me to do VR. I, I, something probably that had to do with the earliest um, things about Oculus and the first days of the Kickstarter for it mm-hmm. um, started my mind going of these things happening, the possibilities I started to think about. It just excited me creatively, period. I, and... Most people, when they experience or see VR, are excited about it. And if you're an artist, if you're a creative, you begin to unravel in a fun way. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened to me. So you've been working in like 360 video. I've mm-hmm. been working in uh, like like uh, Unity. Like what, what what are you tackling? I've been working in 360 video. I've been starting to work in Unity. Most of what the problem I'm trying to tackle right now is directional audio because mm-hmm. that's the um, we've talked about before yeah uh there's no great way to do it right now unless you have a good deal of money or you're one of the large you know players who are who are doing it for themselves and developing it on a a larger scale so it involves working in unity and and messing around which we can talk about at some point if you want but um yeah right now i'm still testing it out and it's kind of hopefully will be somewhat proprietary to what i do and help me make VR stuff and have other people come to me to make VR stuff with them. Well, are you, are you, are you thinking about it in terms of, you know, the way you approach? Cause you guys did uh silver lining, mm-hmm. silver lining last mm-hmm. year. And, uh, you, you staged a, a series of, of, of interactive rooms that kind of like, you know, led into like a, a whole, a larger, mm-hmm. uh, you know, narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, are, are you approaching your development in the VR space in a similar way in terms of like, you know, content-wise, like narratively, or my initial um, thought with VR is to explore it first, not to try to make anything on a grand scale or or um, have high ambitions. Basically, a lot of people are focusing on VR for um, event coverage, for sports, for concerts for uh, CGI created environments for a lot of really awesome stuff um there isn't a ton of narrative exploration true experimental narrative exploration of how to use this medium narratively i know there are a few large players but it isn't it isn't a huge focus within VR at the moment according yeah. to what whatever i've researched so just learning how to create narrative focus in VR is is um, a huge focus of mine yeah. and how to tell a story break from a linear story to an interactive story um, how to teach an audience the rules of the world in a way that's simple um, and that's hopefully on narrative and isn't doesn't have to just be like these are the rules or if that tap that's the way it's done that that's somehow okay and yeah. part and a good part of the experience. Um, 
Is he messing with your shoes? Yeah, yeah. I'm not concerned yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm watching him so he doesn't like go like buck wild yeah. with him. But it's like, yeah, it's like put a claw in, take a tumble, turn it over. Oh, it's not fighting back. Okay, right. it's not an animal. Right. I don't have to kill it. Uh, and then it's like, oh, now they're talking about me. So I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. And stare at them. Until they ignore me again. Right. Done so. with you, cat. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah, so uh, narrative focus and learning how to apply a lot of um, the things. Part of my reason for being in VR is my hypothesis is that my background and skills in theater, I have a lot of design and technical skills in theater as well, um, could be applied to immersive VR content in terms of creating narrative focus, in terms of using light and sound, which is also why I'm trying to figure out directional <laughs> audio um, because I think that'll be part of the the equation in terms of creating uh, creating think, narrative focus I, I think you're, you're I think you're dead on right in terms of the directional audio thing being being massive right I was having a conversation with someone today about an immersive journalism piece that they were working on and um, you know you know they were trying to figure out you know do you go binaural do you go like with some other you just go straight stereo but there's there's levels at which I'm pulling back here for a second because I think you, gotta, you do need to pull back and start to think of the fundamentals, whether it's VR or whether it's an immersive theater. I'm always think about like when the audience going, like, "Yeah, quit talking about VR." It's like, "Well, how does it apply to us?" All right, well, here's how it applies to you guys. Uh, first, you get a cat. No, uh, and you uh, what you need you want to be aware of the experience you're trying to create of the the world you're trying to draw people into. Mm-hmm. Um, and you want to know that when you're dealing with a piece of immersive theater or a VR piece, that everything that goes on in that space from the point of view of the patron is in play. Right. You know, uh, same is true like in an escape room, right? Like escape rooms are actually great microcosms of this stuff because like those are, those are the puzzles... I, I just filed an NPR story on this, so it's like really fresh on the brain. Um, you know, escape rooms, it's like a video game come to life. You're, you're stuck in a room. you got an hour to get out. There's a bunch of like puzzles, and it feels like a game from like the 1980s point-and-click adventure, except you're physically doing it. And the point-and-click makes sense because what you would do in an old point-and-click adventure is you run your cursor over everything and click on everything. I played them. Right, yeah. right? Um, that's as much for the audience for like the three people uh, who haven't played them. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, the funny thing about an escape room is like you do that in real life like you sit there and you're touching everything and what they have to do when you go into the space is they'll say everything's in play except for and they'll say things like if you find exposed wires those aren't in play and there have been places where there have been exposed wires and it's like if there's an exposed wire you know we'll point it out to you like that's not a clue that's where you What's get weird with that is that they know there's exposed wires <laughs> and they're choosing just to let them be for like whatever well you know these this, this stuff may not be all up to code but um but that's the thing they'll say like you know hey don't don't you don't have to open up this this is just and don't unplug anything if wolves attack that's not yeah, part of the experience exactly that is really happening yeah, exactly. and you should run yeah run if there are wolves please hit the emergency button please um but that's the thing is like they they define what is out of bounds mm-hmm. because when you're in that room and given just a simple injunction of find a way out you will do everything 
that you can think of right. until, you know, someone tells you, no, 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 not that thing. And that exact same instinct. Like, I've watched, I've watched friends, you know, they've gone to, like, immersive theater stuff or stuff that said it was immersive that wasn't really immersive. And they've, like, wound up backstage and everyone's freaked out. Like, why are you backstage? It's like, well, you used the word immersive and, like, people thought... They're, they've been to sleep no more. They know that if there's a doorway, go through it, right? right. And so it kind of yeah. freaks everybody out. Yeah. And but the the interesting thing is that everything and sound is a huge part of that, right? Like our our sense of place is very driven by sound, and if the sound is wrong, we notice it, and if it's not, if it's right we don't notice it, right? It's this really kind of terrible thing mm-hmm. where when you're creating an illusion, it's the stuff that's out of place draws attention to itself. Right. Um, and you can you can use that to your advantage. Like that's, oh, that's this is off. That must be a clue. I should explore that. Or you just find yourself with like, oh yeah, that's, uh, that's not supposed to be there. Right. And people start spinning their own narratives about like, oh, this thing, it was all about this like, you know, this this blue light that was in the corner meant, it's like, no, that... that it just burned out, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I mean, all that stuff and and everything else that has to. I mean, make can I make the audience a character? What does that feel like? How do I do that most successfully? What kind of agency do I give them within that character? How does that affect their experience? All there's so many questions that need to be asked before. I feel like I can really dig into the medium as a as a writer mm. which is what i consider myself mostly um and so i'm we're just tinkering around kind of throwing shit on the wall and seeing what sticks was the same kind of questions driving you when you were working on the immersive theater piece yes yes well there were uh, additional questions to that there were questions about um group dynamic and ensemble creation and devisement Mm. there was a lot of focus and work within that framework of of ideas um yeah (laughs) you're getting i mean talk uh, there's there's me you know you know i I thought about the piece in the overhauls we don't have to go through all that but like and but there there were there were some beautifully realized moments in there and some stuff that was sure. like really fucking exciting yeah. that you were doing. Um, and so I'm, I am curious about your process on that. Like, you know, like what was, what was driving okay. you forward and, and where were things going? Sure. So we started with um, 13 performers and three leaders, uh, myself and, and two um uh, to women, one of whom was uh, Jessica Salins, who I think you might know, and a, another girl whose name I won't mention, who um, uh, ended up leaving the process partway through. Um, and we started from a space of devisement, so uh, along with ensemble building act- activities and exploration, it was a lot of splitting off into groups, giving people maybe some parameters and a theme and saying, go, make something. You have 45 minutes to make something, present it to us. Mm-hmm. It can involve everyone immersively, interactively. It can just be a performance. It can be anything. So we started 
in a vacuum with some ideas that we wanted to tackle with the show. So everyone kind of brought forth um, their thing that they wanted to tackle within society. And we began to narrow down our focus from there. By the end of it, I tried to find a commonality within all those different human sins or um, societal disparities and all the there were a bunch of different things that that people were trying to tackle with the various devisements that were made and what I came up with was human agency in the face of inequality and what happens due to action and what happens due to inaction and the role of perspective on ourselves within those moments mm. which is a very heady kind of bullshit thing to say but but that was that was we, we, in we, the we, back we, of yeah. my head what you know yeah. those things and i could try yeah. to create a story that hopefully in some way helped the audience maybe come to some kind of realizations within that well, one of the moments i thought was was that I was so glad to see you do and what and I kind of wonder why more people don't necessarily play with this and there might have even been like a the moment may have passed in a sense because mm-hmm. it's not like Twitter's dead but it's a hell of a lot easier it was a hell of a lot easier I thought like a couple of years ago to you know harvest easily like some public information people were sharing mm. sharing you know on public networks mm. in a way now they're sharing a little more on private networks mm. right you know that you're mm. This is a problem that they're facing in journalism right now. They're used to just, oh, they want to know what's going on in Syria. You pop into Twitter. You, you just observe who's everyone talking to each other in Syria. Now it's all happening on, like, Weibo and you know, here it's happening on Snapchat. Sure. You can't just pop into a public feed and know what's going on. People are having there's – a, there's a darkness now. You can, you can find information on pretty much anyone, though. Yeah. Even, you know, not necessarily on social media, but – if you know your way around the internet a little bit, you can find information on almost because we're all connected in some. We've yeah. all if you've logged on to the internet, your shit's in there. Yeah. And, and anyway, so we yeah. we did harvest some information on people and use that in the show, and yeah. I enjoyed that as well. Yeah, yeah. There was like a there was like a it was a confrontational moment. You kind of it was like a reflection. It's like right. oh, you had and it was so surprising yeah. to all of a sudden have. I think it was like, I think mine was that I had left my glasses. That, mm. at home that day mm. and and just to hear that you know like it was just such a simple thing to like hear something and and for the first second i was like oh how do they know that and then i was like oh yeah i tweeted about that but i was like oh that's so smart because it does this did this weird thing of like it threw me and it didn't throw me out of the scene it threw me into the scene in a way that being confronted with something from the outside world would normally... That was a lot of my idea, was try to, you know, bring your reality, your real you, into this world that we were making. This fan- It was like some weird kind of cave-like place with these weird creatures that was very, you know, not realism, yeah. I would say. But yeah. so trying to have that your your reality thrown in the face of this thing and them kind of grab it and yank it in forcefully yeah, without the, your consent there was something gilliam-esque about it because you had these like mm. paper mache you know bureaucratic figures you know it felt yeah. like something out of brazil yeah um and and just getting to have this sort of surrealist there was a lot that was, it was a it was a wonderful experience it was a very difficult experience um uh, we learned a ton mm. and i'm excited 
to keep making more immersive stuff. Yeah. yeah. Are you a little gun shy over it? Because would you like try something other than Divine? No, I'm not gun shy. I know exactly. No, I'm not gun shy. I'm I'm excited to to do more stuff moving forward. I think it it was it was a huge learning experience for everyone involved. Yeah. What's exciting you on the LA scene? Like, who's what are you what are you gravitating towards here? Be, be it immersive or or anywhere in the sort of the live performance space. Um, I gravitate towards. Um, I guess I've been to a lot of downtown art and performance lately because there seems to be more places off the grid, more people willing to say and do things that they really don't care whether I like it or not. It's clearly for their pleasure. Mm. And that is... My favorite artists are the people who are doing their specific, unique thing. It's not really for me. Maybe, the, you know, for example, like David Bowie is someone who I reference that everybody knows. Sure, he's a performer. I'm sure he gets off on performing and does it for the audience in some way. But he's doing his thing. Yeah. He, he didn't make, I don't think, Ziggy Stardust because he thought, oh, people are going to really like this. Yeah. You know? No. It was like, no. this is what I'm doing right now. Exactly. Yeah. So... Which is what theater is all about. It's an it's 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 an underground thing. Even in its most established forms, it's kind of a fringe performance form in many respects. It's yeah, got a lot of weird societal associations <laughs> with it of fringe elements and yeah. drugs and or, or, uh, or homosexuality you, and all these kinds of things that, or, or that are look, still associated with it. Or so you even look at like what the hot thing on Broadway is right now is Hamilton. It's a it's a you know hip hop play, hugely about, successful. About, too. Yeah, about uh, about you know Alexander Hamilton. It's like you you hear that you go like that's complete. Why would something like that? And yeah, it's just massively, massively, massively popular. Right. Um, this this reinterpretation of our reality. Yeah. You know, and and that visceral sense. You know, it's something you don't get. You don't, 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 don't get on the screen. Yeah. You know? So I, I go to immersive theater. I go to theater when I can. I am interested in, in VR stuff. I My interests are, are spread kind of broadly, which people have told me to not not do that. But <laughs> it's a way, you know. Yeah. I can't really help that. So no, I definitely know what you mean on that one. You got to focus. You got to focus. Right. But it's, it's all the same thing. Yeah. You just got to have the right eyes to see it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't have a company that I'm like. This is, this is my shit. This is a company that I'll always go to all their performances all the time because I know, and that's probably for my own fault for not having been exposed enough to some of the awesome performers and and whatever that's in this city. I only have so much time, but I don't think I've found a, a home other than the people that I work with already in my company. Yeah, yeah. That's that's actually not that surprising like here is to say how with how sp- spread out everything is like uh, it, the only at maybe like the hollywood fringe do i see like a lot of people kind of crossing over and even in that world it tends to like that has become its own thing mm. you know and a lot There's of so much crazy politics in 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 the in straight theater right now yeah that i see posted every day oh yeah from a lot of people that I love, yeah. like Colin and Ezra and other people, um, but I just don't. 
want to deal with. I don't want to. I really. I produce because I have to, but at the end of the day, I just want to write things and make may indirect things. So there's a lot of noise in that world right now, which is also off-putting to me, and why I've kind of moved more, hopefully, into an immersive, which I think has even less resources and and is even more niche and really can't afford that and also just it doesn't have the infrastructure built up to have politics inside of it no it doesn't i mean and there, there may come a day when we are we wind up sort of facing we we may have to have a reckoning with equity at some point which is what's going on over over on 99 or or there there might be a, a clever way to you know rob peter to pay paul or something like that i, I think the i think the rough thing in that world is is knowing that I mean, I'm probably sympathetic to, I guess it's called the pro 99 side because I have mm. a lot of friends who are in the fringe and yeah. I have a lot of friends who are, you know, trying to you know, produce stuff. I love I, the fringe. And I see them, I see them just kind of like trying to rock forward and make the art that they want to make. And they know what they're getting into. You know, they know what the deal is. They're, they, they don't think that they're going to, you know, they, they know what the receipts on a show are. So they're not expecting to sadly make a living, which is, oh, oh, beer fall, beer down, beer down. We're going to pause for a second. Now back to your regularly scheduled podcast, less one cat fueled beer spill. The sad trade off is that, uh, you know, people know that they're not going to make a living and that's a shame. You know, God knows that if, if it had been more straightforward coming out of college, I might've dedicated myself to it. But there were better paying jobs right out of school, so led me away from it. Uh, and that's something that makes me genuinely sad. Hmm. Um, and that wasn't even here. That was that was elsewhere. But to see there's so much energy of people wanting to make stuff and to see people who maybe have their... Uh, you know, I like, to, I like to assume the best of people. Like, I think they've, they've got their... Hopefully, there's a heart in the right place. Like, there's like, we want actors to be making a living wage because there's nothing wrong with that argument right there like you tell me i want actors to make a living wage and i'm like hell yeah like i want actors to make a living wage too but just like the economic realities of it is that like is the market there and all the stuff is like oh if we pull this it gets it gets there's there's all these theories as to how it's actually going to work and then you see what's actually happening out there to me yeah it's all bullshit like it's very clearly you can't have a house with 30 seats and pay actors a living wage oh yeah there's no just doesn't work period so so the question is do you have a house with 30 seats or not and i think what they're trying to do is stop houses from 30 seats existing because it won't support and there's some idea they'll concentrate but i i think trying to stop people from experimenting and making what they want to make just seems like a weird it's silly it's a weird weird choice weird choice yeah i think i think all that stuff is great for some people it's just not my jazz and for, there's another really awesome meeting that i think it's about to happen that's held by the la council for the arts or something it's about the future of art in la and it's going to be this big symposium have you heard of this mm-hmm. um being held on kind of the future of art and artists in la with some great speakers and kind of the ideas to talk about new community projects coming up and new ways to interact with communities and things like that which is awesome but i like to tell stories that just make me happy and are fun 
for me, I'm not the person who is trying to necessarily always go into a community and, and make art for the people. I'm a selfish artist. Right. I will say that. Well, there's also like, there's the idea of like parachuting someone in to like make something anyway. Like I find, I find the idea of someone, you can watch people chase grants. Yeah, I live in the nonprofit world. There's a lot of grant chasing goes on there, and and it can it can lead you off of your your mission goal and lead you right. away from you know, what you're actually good at. And there might be someone out there who's who's perfect for that grant. Um, so there's a part of me that always gets kind of queasy. Well, I was like like uh, like is that are, are you really the best person to be chasing after you know that particular grant? You know, like well the money's there. You right. know, yeah. Um, at the same time, you watch people chase after the grants and they get them and it's like, oh, they got the money. So you sit there and go like, hmm, maybe, maybe that is the, 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 the proper way to go. Because not everyone's going to get a MacArthur grant and when they're not, not everyone's going to get like, here's $600,000 for five years, go do what you want to do, which, yeah. is, which you know, would be awesome. Yeah. At the same time, we, are, we did apply to do something at the Ford for their uh, partnership program this summer, which would be kind of a community based thing well, the Ford's I mean the Ford's a little different from a community based thing well what our project specifically okay. would be it's it's about the drought and we've done some research trips to different parts of California getting interviews with people and it would be a co-production with the um, American Indian Dance Theater which mm-hmm. is uh, their resident company at LATC and they're a Native American um, dance theater performance company so it would be a show that used Native American performance traditions as kind of a shell with um, a modern ballet company also within it and uh, kind of the stories of modern relationships of humans to water um, and uh, along with other cultural practices with water from around the world. So that's kind of a very like yeah. everyone hold hands and dance yeah. thing, which I think could be awesome, but, but that's more of a rarity for me and what I do. Than anything else? Well, it's also a, it's a it's a massive idea. Right? It's a massive idea, you know. And I can tell you, the kind of person who's attracted to massive ideas. Sure. So, and that's I mean, the, God, it was something like what was it? Um, Zach, Zachary Pinkus Roth. Roth. Uh-huh. Oh, I just butchered his name. Sorry, Zach. Uh, I'll apologize in person when I see you at the Wow Fest. Um, Zach uh, was was uh, did a tweet today earlier today it was something about you know looking at like a standard playwrights. Um, you know, message in a in like a you know the program, and it's like you know like this isn't a play about parentheses big idea social impact you know such and such you know you know interesting thing end parentheses this is a play about open parentheses relationship slash boring thing you know <laughs> close parentheses and I was like right on Zach because that's it I mean you know. Everyone says, like, this is really a play about relationships. And I kind of, every time I've heard that my entire life, you know, yeah. for, for the decades I've been around this, I'm like, well, of course it is. That's how we tell it. Right. What is it actually about? The show's about humans, though. Yeah, you know? the show's really about, well, when it's not about cats. The bipedal creatures. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, which, which, gets, which gets frustrating. I think it's because people are embarrassed to, to, you know, some people are embarrassed to talk about the big ideas you know uh some people are are, i think it'll scare people off if they think it's like this is a very heady mental theater Mm -hmm. you know and i've watched people take i've watched people take stoppard 
um, who, yeah, on one level is like very, very mental, very heady, but they've leaned completely into the ideas and ignored the human side of it. And that is fucking boring and bloodless. Uh, I watched someone take Arcadia, which is one of my favorite of his plays, Mm. which is on one level, it's about math and it's like totally obtuse. But it's really about the sexual. Te- but on another level, it's about the sexual tension between all these these characters. Hmm. But it's really about both. It's about the sex and it's about the math, and it's that interplay between those two things and how math can be sexy and how ideas can be sexy. It's like it's got to be about both, right? Hmm. You know, you've got to have these layers, and 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 that layering kind of bring it back around. Whether you're like in VR, or you're in immersive, right? Like hmm. the the you're, you're dealing with. The audience is a whole, you know, an individual member of the audience is it's a whole creature. They've got a brain, they've got a heart, they've got the other body parts, you know, of various levels of interest. Just talk about hands, guys. I'm not a perp. Um, they're 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 there to be engaged with. You know, they're there to be invited in to be engaged with. Don't take it the wrong way, you perps. Uh, they're there to be invited. You have a lot of perv listeners, huh? Uh, maybe. I'm noticing. Maybe, maybe, maybe some pervs right now. Well, no, the, first, the first perv was me. The second one was like, I'm assuming that they're going to like say I'm talking about something. I'm, right. You know, I'm, I'm not saying that, you know. You're saying there's a lot of perv reference. There's a lot of perv reference. Well, it's just because it's, it's there's a little bit of like, you know, a danger zone there, right? Because sure. like, that's the thing. Like, you know, you're, you're getting people to in these, in these more intimate forms of entertainment. Oh, kitty. Hello, you know you can't just you can't just jump in someone's lap and expect them to like it unless you already know they're going to like it, which is a lesson you know Pilfer just reminded us of. Um, you you um, you got to be conscious of that. You can kind of invite people in, and, and there's there's levels of comfort, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, because you got to design for the people at least to some degree you got to design for the fact that like everyone may not really want to be along for the ride. Right. So you or might... that they don't like tight spaces. I just had an experience mm. an immersive experience that was way too many people for this room. Mm. And it was and I was stuck in there for like 15 20 minutes mm. and it was horribly uncomfortable and just like and, and deeply upsetting. I'm not. I I don't feel like I'm a naturally claustrophobic person, but it was just not good. Yeah. Yeah. So, was was that a uh, was that like an escape room thing or something else entirely? It was something else entirely. Yeah. 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 I know of a few like cramped escape rooms in town, but like I haven't. Well, we'll talk about that offline. I I want to get your notes. Sure. Um, but that's the thing is like you. You've got. A person's full sensory apparatus there to engage with like that's an option um, you know and you should respect that is what I'm trying to say in a joking fashion um, but you do have access to like all that bandwidth like you can you can put out input so they can then process and and that's something that you know people in the arts forget all the time mm. You know, because they're trying to just talk to the head or they're just trying to talk to the heart or they're just trying to take, make you laugh and it's like you can do all of that and the more time you have, the more of it you probably should be trying to do because too much of any one thing we get bored. Right. You know, even even too much beer and chocolate gets boring. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Never gets no. <laughs> Eventually, Eventually, you throw no. up. Yeah, and no, that's that, true. That's yeah. not fun. No, it's not. Yeah. But I agree. I agree with everything you said and more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I And actually, well, in terms of 
respecting audience and their interaction with. I was talking to someone at um, I think one of the other immersive theater companies. I won't specify which one. Who was saying that she doesn't care where the audience looks mm. or has their attention focused in her show. That she just wants to make sure that anywhere that they look, there's going to be something kind of cool going on. I don't. I feel the opposite in some ways because if I'm trying to be if I'm choosing this path for myself as a writer as a creator as a creative as an artist as a storyteller I always have the thought that I can tell stories better than than average Joe Schmo out there and why would I think that and at the same time give him more agency within the narrative that's being told than than myself so it was an impressive tumble. That's so, pretty great. More I, agency, so, more, give, get you, why would you give him more agency than you? Than I would myself. If I'm saying that you know that I am the, if I'm a great storyteller, if I'm a great artist, or whatever, which, which I, on some respect I have to think in order to be doing this thing, why would I give audience entire agency or not try to create narrative focus within an element within a piece? Mm. You know, I want freedom, but I also want. Lines within that freedom right. is is my ideal. Yeah. I think immersively. There's people who who just want complete like everything goes. But then I don't know. That just sounds like a hell of a lot of work to make detail into every little thing to such an extent that it all works narratively in such a huge web of plot that I can't even imagine. So See, I think of it. I think of it in terms of there's an elasticity in in that. You know, it's elastic. It's plastic. I always come back to sleep no more and this this moment uh, of the the first. I probably said this on the podcast before, so apologies, everybody. When everyone comes in and sees Lady M, and like you've been loaded in somewhere, you've tracked a character, you know, in the, this is like the first half hour or something like that, and you come into like the ballroom scene, and like every single character pays up sequence to Lady M. So you're so you go from following Lady Macduff to like oh she's paying attention to this person oh everyone's paying attention to that person all pay attention to that person and then Lady M transferred over to Mackers mm-hmm. and that moment you know aside from being a beautifully choreographed moment aside from being like a great moment in the story aside from being amazing entrance for you know you know the Scott I was also aware of like that is a beautifully crafted honing of attention and it's it's it is attention that you're playing with. And so sometimes, yeah, you want to like, can can I bring everyone into focus? Like, what tricks do I have to make everyone see this big important thing? You mm. know, what do I have there? That's that's a real problem in immersive. It's a real problem in VR. How do we refocus everyone's attention? And then also, how do you know when's it safe to let go and let people find their own hooks? Right. So long as we can can bring them, you know, back along. Right. Because um, that's the point of of immersive and of VR. You want people to discover things, and you want them to be a little bit challenged or a little bit yeah. like woken up somehow. Yeah, and if and if you are on rails, you don't you want to hide the tracks. Right. You know, you don't want people to see. That. I think yeah. So my my ideal is somewhere between rails and an open world. Yeah. I think that's where my my goal lies as a hybrid. No, I, I think that's, and that's the direction I, I see that being the most interesting. It's definitely the most interesting problem, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, that illusion. All right, that's a good spot to stop. Sure. So that was uh, a very um, 
concise and clear and not jumping around like we're a couple <laughs> of fucking crazy people conversation. Uh, a little bit. 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 I'm really but That was great. I enjoyed that a lot. Thanks for having me on. Not a problem. Anytime. Awesome. And, and next time you get something you get something uh, boiled up, uh, you know, let me know and we'll have you back on to, to promote it. Will do. So, all right. Cool. Okay, that was the show this time, gang. And yeah, that was a really rambling intro. Uh, and so once again, I totally apologize. I told myself when I started the show that I would never do one of those 12-minute intros like they do on all those other podcasts. Well, who's the lying jerk now? So I'm going to go work on that. And in the meantime, you guys can find the much briefer version of No Persinium on Twitter at No Persinium. You should really check out the Medium collection over this weekend, medium.com slash no dash persinium because we're going to put up stuff from the wow fest and other places there's so much stuff for spooky season going on right now that i literally cannot list at all that would have been a 45 minute intro uh so just go dig out the newsletter and read it gang um you are all wonderful you are all amazing please send me your feedback no underscore persinium at outlook.com including telling me that i'm an idiot and that i should never do an intro that long again and just get to the stupid show because frankly, we don't want to hear you all the time. Uh, or, you know, that you're being too hard on yourself and really you should just like let it go and, and stop being neurotic. <laughs> like that's going to happen. Hey, if you are at the WOW Festival this weekend, and I know a few of you are, uh, hit me up on Twitter, either at NoPersinium or at Noah J. Nelson, or email me at that email address. And uh, let's find time to connect. I want to talk to you guys. I want to hang out. Um, I want to get you on tape about what you think about what you've seen at the, uh, at the festival. And, uh, generally I, I want to really make this the, it already is a community. I just, I just want to see you guys. I just love you guys. And I want to see you all the time. It's all, it's just what I want. Um, yeah, I gotta do this when I'm not tired. Uh, until then, until next time. I think maybe next week. Next week's the Wow Fest episode, and then after that, it'll be uh, House World probably. Uh, until next time, um, if you dare, particularly in San Diego, I'll see you at the show. <laughs> <laughs>